Welcome to In In It It Together. Together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. Here we are again. Yes, we are. How are you today? Doing pretty well. We took a, a little bit of a hiatus. We, we took a week off. There's been a lot going on and stuff like that. And um, I've needed some self-care. I don't know about you. Yeah, we all need some self-care sometimes. Yeah, um, so much so that I'm I'm going away with the kids tonight for a night. Obviously someplace secluded, but just to kind of get away from things and try to disconnect a bit. Oops, sorry, that was me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that like a subtle hint that you were like happy? We Maybe were le- a little bit. We no, leaving? I'm gl- no, I'm happy that you and the kids are going to get away for a little bit. You need you you you, you guys need it. Yeah, it's it's been Deserve a lot, it. and 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 I think you need it some time from, away from us too. You're uh, it's been crazy, but I think that that's really important that we just say that it's okay to kind of take a step back. And it's okay to do what's best for you. And I think that's the foundation of a strong relationship. Like, you're okay with us going away for the night so that we can kind of decompress so that you can have your night too. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be okay. Yeah, I'm just going to be working. You know what I'm going to yeah. end up doing is just work. But, um, it, no, it's good. It's it, yeah, Everybody needs to recharge, you know. You can't be going 100 miles per hour all the time. And that's something that I'm learning. And, and I crash and burn that way. I'm actually now learning. I'm letting a lot of things go. Like... You don't have to do all of these chores today. You don't have to do all this today. You can do some of this tomorrow. And I've noticed that it's felt really uncomfortable for me trying to take a step back from things. And I've noticed things get messier quicker and things. But the reality is, is that we need that rest time to really recenter ourselves and balance ourselves because we're just not made. We're not machines. Yeah. Well, that's where your drive sometimes gets you into trouble, oh right? Because you keep you keep going and going and you're running, you run into the ground sometimes. Yeah. So and now important. lately I'm like, eh, drive. Like, I don't want to say I don't have drive. I do. But I'm noticing that there's the trauma drive and then there's drive. And my trauma drive is what gets me in trouble. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and it's funny that you say that, right? Because we've talked about this before, right? So my my response when I when my time comes, I hate when I say that, but... Yeah, you sound like you got your... Uh... Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> menopause going on or something. But no, you know, when, when you know, I, my psych... I, I don't... I, there's not a good way <laughs> to put no this, way. right? There's no there's good no way, way to put it. But anyhow... But when... When, when I need my batteries recharged and I kind of zone out, right? Yeah. And, and that's that's what I do, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm, my, I'm going all the time. Also in my head, all especially... When when my batteries get depleted, I kind of zone out. And we talked about this. Like, I kind of play games and I, I just block everything out. But with you, I think it's the opposite, no, right? It's the with op- you, when when you need to zone out, you just you just kind of kick up the drive. And you're, you're just kind of, you know, spinning wheels, basically. I think you've seen a little bit of change in me, though. I mean, I've been being like, hey, can you watch The Office with me? Can we spend some time together? I know, that's been our guilty pleasure for the last But it it seems like really needy of me to do, but I've needed it. I've needed to just sit there and just watch a show and not think of everything else that I don't have control over. And I'm noticing that I'm not allowing my my trauma drive to really dictate it. It doesn't mean it doesn't kick in and doesn't mean that you're not going to say, hey, slow the hell down. It's not the day for it. It just means that I'm not pushing back as much as I used to. It's a process. It's going to take time. Well, it's like we always said, right? It starts with the recognition. It starts with realizing and recognizing where you are 
what your limitations are in the moment and mm-hmm. then, you know, working with that. You know what I've noticed too? You've always said to me, like, you're limited. We're all limited at times. It doesn't mean you're useless. Like, I would always feel useless. Like, I know I'm not the best at like a lot of things and I have a lot of limitations, but I also have a lot of strengths that completely outweigh those things. And being limited in something doesn't mean that you're incapable. It just means that you're not capable in those moments to be able to get it done and you can put it off for another time. Like, I'm noticing that. That's why we needed to take a little break this past week. I've needed some time. There's been a lot going on. Yeah, well, it's like we say too, right? It's you. You can't um, make the appropriate changes until you recognize where where you're limited. You know, if exactly. you have this um, mentality that you know you can overcome everything, which is a great mentality to have, but you got to be realistic with it. You know, it's like you can't. You know, if you want to lift two hundred, you know, if you want to bench press two hundred fifty pounds, you know, you don't start there. You know, can no, you do I, it? I can yeah, still you, believe that. Hell yeah, I'm gonna make it. Exactly, but you gotta but start off. Ex- you got to be realistic with what you're. You know, what where you start. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely, and I I definitely agree with that. And I think that I've really and I've been teaching a lot of my friends this, like on my TikTok or Instagram or whatever. It's like we you got to start small. You know, healing trauma and healing all these challenges that we have within us isn't something that you can do 90 miles per hour. And the reason why is because you're going to forget shit along the way. That's why I always make the same mistakes over and over again. I'm going so fast that I'm missing the lesson and I'm not picking up my crap from this last time. I've seen some growth, a lot of growth in myself and being able to go a little bit slower. Maybe I don't get as much done, but I'm not making as many mistakes, which is not leaving me more work the next day to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's key, right? Because it's because you understand where you are. You understand what your limitations mm-hmm. are. And then, like you said, right, you're not. Run, not not only are you not running yourself into the ground, but you're not creating more work for yourself. Exactly. And then the other thing is, is I hate it. I hate be feeling limited. I hate feeling like I can't do anything right because I have because I get my time, you know. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But I'm learning that the more anger that I put towards what I don't have control over, that's wasted energy on trying to, like you would tell me, find something that I can do. So I just I'm trying to look at it as a blessing. Well, this is the time that I get to order out. Well, this is the time that people are going to help me out around the house. Or this is the time that I'm going to read that novel that I've been, you know, and I'm just trying to take lessons in that because I realize that I I put a lot of pressure and I have high expectations for my body in times that it's not right. And I don't have as much expectation for myself in times that it's well. And I'm learning to flip that. Yeah. And that also goes into, you know, something we've talked about before. We've never done a podcast and I think it'd be appropriate to do a podcast on black and white thinking. Oh, yeah. That's a huge trauma response. Yeah. And we'll definitely have to write that down and and make sure we do a podcast on black and white thinking because, you know, and I've told you this a million times, everything lives in the gray. There is no black and white. Everything is in the gray. But when you have trauma... It's either black or white. That's the survival technique. It's like someone either sucks or you love them to death. You either hate them or they're the most amazing person in this world. You know, and that's that's where you further your length in not healing is because you're not seeing things for what they really are. You're creating something that makes sense to you. And that's black or white. Yeah. Well, with you in, in particular as well. Right. The black and white thinking comes into play where 
if you can't do something, then you're a complete failure. Right. Or if you can do something so even marginally, amazing. exactly, even marginally well, then you're the you're a superstar. Can and I if, can I be honest with you though that I'd rather live in the superstar state of mind than the failure mind? I mean, if we're being honest here. No, I no, I understand that, but you don't grow that way. Right. Yeah. That's where growth doesn't happen. If you're constantly patting yourself on the back grow, for pa- gro- everything I just that you do grope- well, I just said groping. Where am I going with this? No, growth happens in the uncomfortable, not where you're comfortable. I know. Where does groping happen then? Um, I'm comfortable with groping, so I'll. <laughs> I don't know. Groping can happen if it's consensual. All right, I think I think we're we're steering way clear of where. Yeah, we, but you know what? I think my listeners are our listeners are going to think that it's hilarious. They love it. They love my jokes. See, unlike you. They like my jokes, okay? In the lives, they all laugh. They're probably laughing at me, but they like me. I'm not going to even comment <laughs> yeah, on don't. that. Yeah, don't. Don't even go there. So what are we doing today? What are we doing today? Well, I'm really excited. So today's a special episode. It's going to be a Q&A. So this past week, and you know, I can't answer everybody's questions. I do my best, though. I'm actually pretty responsive. But I picked some of the top questions that I got that I thought were really great. And I want to take the time today to answer them. A nice Q and A. I think that's a great idea because you do have a lot of questions. You you that know, we talk about. I do, and some of them require more than sixty seconds on TikTok. You know. Well, I think that's because I know we've every time we end the podcast, we always ask for people to reach out and do questions, yeah, and, and they I, have. And these are some of the questions. Exactly, because unfortunately, we can't like revolve a whole podcast around some some of the questions, and some of the questions we've actually. We do address on other podcasts, but I think this is a great format, right? We'll just do a quick, um, you're handing me a paper here. So the, I'm assuming these are all the questions. Yep. And uh, I'm assuming you're going to answer these. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would, you know, if there's something that you feel fitting or that you can, you know, add to, definitely add to it. Because I, I. Yeah, I, I'll bring my perspective yeah. when appropriate. All right. So these are all our questions from, oh, these are questions you, you've selected from our listeners, right? Yes. All right. So first question we have here, and these are all anonymous, I'm assuming. Yeah. So how do you enforce a boundary without upsetting someone? Okay. So I love this question. You have to upset people for people to understand that it's a boundary and that it's not okay for them to cross it. Now, remember, the same people that are getting upset at you for your new boundaries are the same people that benefit from you not having boundaries. So more often than not, if all of a sudden you're like, hey, I don't like when you do that and I don't want that happening anymore, said person is going to be upset about that because now they're missing out on something that they could get from you. It's not your responsibility to help someone feel uncomfortable with something that's uncomfortable. Okay, it's just your responsibility to protect yourself, establish your boundary, and leave them with an opportunity to grow and respect it or unfortunately have to face a natural consequence for a boundary. And I think that that's the the hardest part is that we don't want to upset people that we care for. We don't want to upset people that mean a lot to us, even if they're not healthy for us. Yeah, that's very well answered. I think you hit it on the head. Boundaries are are meant to protect you. And the people that have a problem with your boundary, like you said, right, they are, are because they're used to either crossing that boundary and getting something out of it or or just or they just might feel like, you know, they're entitled to that, which is again is not a, a, the correct response. 
Absolutely. And that's the thing is, you know, human nature, we've been raised, we don't upset people. You know, we shouldn't upset people that we care for. But they're not upset at the fact that they're hurting us or that they're taking from us. And you really need to look at it from that perspective is people need to learn to sit with being uncomfortable and with being upset because they're never going to learn to be better. So if you're constantly people pleasing, like you never, ever want to say, I'm sorry, but this is my new boundary. You never apologize for a boundary. This is my boundary. This is what I don't like. Saying sorry to them makes them feel like what you're doing is wrong and that they still have a right to cross it. And so people are just going to have to be upset. And if they are upset, then you're going to actually start seeing the toxic people in your life that are contributing to the reason why you need boundaries. Yeah, well said. I can, you know, and I and when I think about this question in particular, I think of a, of a good analogy that I might bring, you know, uh, that I might have. Okay. I, I think the best analogy that I can come up with for this is let's say that you have a nice lawn out front, right? You have a nice house with a nice lawn, but you have a neighbor with a dog that constantly wants to walk on your lawn, let the dog do its business, and then walks away, right? And then you decide, okay, at some point, I'm going to have to build a fence because, you know, I've, I've talked to the, the neighbor. I've asked them not to, not to let the dog you know, do his business on my nice lawn that I'm taking care of and I'm growing. I don't want yellow spots or things that I have to pick <laughs> up. So I'm going to build a fence. So this stops that from happening. Now, the neighbor might get offended at the fact that, oh, why'd yeah. you build a fence? You know, my dog likes to go there. Well, you know what? You're not picking after yourself. You're destroying my lawn. You know, that's why I had to build a fence. So I think that's an analogy that I can give. Exactly. And said neighbors like taking it personal, like, oh, you don't like me and stuff like that. It's it's funny. I think that that was a fantastic um, analogy that people can use and can actually remove the emotion from it because that's what you do for me. That helps me. Like now someone's going to be sitting there and be like, damn right. I don't want my neighbor and their dog shit on my lawn. Like that's that's a great analogy. So thanks for for adding to that, because I think that that's going to be something people can hold on to. All right. So question number two we have is. Will my trauma response change after I heal the trauma? Okay. So in an ideal situation, yes. Okay. So let's talk about trauma responses very quickly. You have, you know, fight or flight, you have freeze and you have fawn. And we did a huge episode on, you know, fawn. We, we talked about that. So you'll have to go and listen to it. So the hope is, is that as you start healing your inner child and working through what broke you, the goal is to then not respond from a place of trauma, but respond from an intuitive aspect, okay? So yes, you're probably not gonna people please as much when you start healing from things. However, because it's been a natural response for you so long that it will present itself. But the goal is to be able to say, whoa, wait a minute, I'm fawning right now and I don't have to do that. That's still showing that you're healing and that still is a great indicator that your trauma responses are lessening. They'll never be 100% gone, but they will lessen over time. And I've seen it in myself. I've caught myself people-pleasing because I felt like I've upset you. And I've literally been like, wait, I'm not fawning right now. I don't need to do that. And you're looking at me like, yeah, you definitely don't have to do that. So yes, over time, it will get better and it will change. Great question, though. 
Yeah, and and we have talked about this on the other on other podcasts, right? It's like riding a bike. Our trauma responses are kind of ingrained in us at this point, right? right. It's an innate response that you don't even realize that you're doing it. A lot of the times you just go right into it. Your body just responds that way without any cognitive decision-making on, on our part, right? So once you start to heal from that trauma, then you start to recognize and realize realize that these are trauma responses. And like you said, right, you start to catch yourself in the response and then you have the opportunity to change. Once you do that and as you, again, it, it, these these responses are built within us from years and years of dealing with these traumas, right? But once you recognize and start to heal, it'll be easier to recognize the response and change the, the way you, 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 you deal with it. Absolutely. And I mean, you've said it to me. I think you've seen that I've changed my trauma responses. It doesn't mean that it doesn't present itself. It doesn't mean that it's not there. It doesn't mean that I don't want to fawn like all hell so that I can feel better. It just means that my trauma responses will not dictate the outcome. And yes, so it there is stuff to look forward to. There's st- as you heal, there's good things that are going to happen. Yeah, the important thing is that healing is a process. You know, it it it's, really is. It's not linear. Exactly. You don't you know you don't get a cut on your arm and then the next day it's gone. It takes a while for it to heal. And again, it's just if I'm going to throw in another analogy, right? Like if you cut, <laughs> here we go. No. I know here we go. But if you cut yourself, you know, it it scabs up. If you peel the scab off then, you know, it's going to take longer to heal. Exactly. And that's what kind of happens with our healing process, right? Because sometimes, it, it, it's like you said, right? It's not a linear situation. Sometimes you take a step forward and then you take two steps back and then you move two steps forward. And again, it's it's a process. Yeah. The best way that I can illustrate this is it's like a rocking horse, okay? You know, when you're on a rocking horse, you rock back and forth, back and forth. But eventually over time, you'll notice when you were a kid that you scooted a little bit further along on the rug. It's that back and forth, like, what the hell? But that's part of it. And there's a reason why we go back a little bit. It's because our brains are going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, did I forget something? So if you have a sidestep, let's call it, or a back, you know, step, that's good. That means that you're healing from it as long as you move forward from it. So excellent question. I'm glad somebody asked that. All right, moving on to the next question. My spouse and I both have trauma. We are noticing that we trigger each other. Does this mean we aren't meant to be? Okay, so I'm really glad that you're here to answer this question. And the answer is no. It's actually... No, we're not meant to be? No, no, that that's that doesn't mean that you're not meant to be together. Oh, okay. <laughs> get, get the hell out of here. No, it, what it, it's actually a good thing, okay? For the longest time, and we still do this, you and I, we trigger one another. And it's over stupid, minute things like me you know, gulping over here, me breathing a certain way or whatever, or I look a certain, or you, you know, you say something and you affect me. But here's the thing. When you see those things within your partner who you should feel safe with, it's a blessing. It's a gift because they're showing you what you still have to work on. Okay. So there's a positive to be able to look at it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't suck. It doesn't mean that it's not challenging. But in order for you guys to be able to grow parallel with one another, you both have to be aware of your traumas, you have to be aware of how they manifest in, you know, your relationship and, you know, within yourself. One person can't be doing all the hard work to work on themselves and the other person not recognizing because that's where 
the barriers happen. That's where the breakdown of communication happens. And that's where the challenging aspects in the relationship come from. We've been there, but now we're both growing parallel on, on you know, the side of each other. All right. Yeah. So to clarify, I guess, the, you know, the, the response here, and I, I agree with what you're saying. The first part of that question is important, right? The first part is that they're both recognizing that they have trauma, right. which is the first step, right? Absolutely. Because you can't, you can't do anything or you can't grow from it if you don't recognize that there is this trauma there, right? Yeah, you that have they, to that, be accepting and acknowledging. Exactly, that you need to address. And then it talks about the triggers, right? So because I, I want to make a differentiation between like normal pet peeves that people may have, you know, those aren't triggers, right? So like, let's say just for an example here, this isn't anything personal, but let, let's say, you know, you squeeze the toothpaste from the middle, right? Mm -hmm. That drives me insane because the way, you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm anal retentive about efficiency, right? And then, you know what I'm saying? So I always, and, and this happens to everybody, right? There's people that squeeze from the middle and there's people that squeeze from the end. That might be like one of the things that's one of your pet peeves. That has nothing to do with a, being a trigger right. for any, anything traumatic. Maybe it, it is to some yeah, people. It you, could like, be, you right? used to get hurt or something. Exactly. You, that it could be. <laughs> but it might be just a pet peeve. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So you have to differentiate what are triggers and what are just pet peeves. Yeah. Right. So and I, I'm just kind of dissecting this question. Right. So you have to understand when the, it, it, it is an actual trauma response. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if you're both having if you both have a traumatic past and both have these triggers, then, yes, if you're triggering each other, most likely it has more to do with your connectiveness. Right. If you're very if you're a very connected partner, as we are, that's where these triggers come into place. It has nothing to do, in essence, with like you what you said, right? Swallowing. Nothing to do with swallowing per se, but it's what I'm perceiving um, your mental state as being. And that has to do with a lot of the micro expressions or how you're feeling in the moment. Because again, as we said, we're very connected in, in a certain way. So I know when you're, like, I know when you're emotionally being triggered and that triggers me. So that's that trigger to trigger that we're talking about here, right? And you have, again, you're for the, in order for that to happen, that means you're very, very connected to your partner. So again, working through those traumas, working through those triggers are only going to make you guys stronger because you already have a basis for being very connected. And as long as you're growing together, you know, it's a good indication that you are a very strong couple. Yes, I think that's fantastic. And I think it was great that you broke it down. Well, that's why I'm glad you're here. All right, so let's move on to question number four. Let's see. How do I know when I'm being guided by my intuition versus trauma? Okay, this is a great question, and it's not going to be too long to answer this. There's one indicator. Are you triggered? Is there an emotional response? Okay, when you're guided by your intuition, it's something that you're just going to feel, and you're going to have a strong feeling about it, okay? But you're not going to have a strong emotion about it. You're not going to be emotional about it. You're not going to start thinking about other things that are connected to it from the past. And this is something that I'm learning with myself. When it's my gut, it's something that's uneasy, that I can't rest with, that I'm like, no, you know, it's, I got to do this. When it's my trauma, I'm emotional. I'm, you know, a little bit on edge. 
I'm making comparisons to things that aren't necessarily related to it. You really have to look at how that manifests, and that's really going to help you determine, okay, this is a trauma response right now. Like, I'm upset by what was said because this was something that upset me 15 years ago. That means this isn't my intuition guiding this conversation or guiding this decision. This is trauma-based. If it's something out of the blue and then all of a sudden you get, you know, someone was talking to me about something and something just didn't make sense, you may not were triggered by anything that they said, but there was just a gut response, not an emotional response, but, you know, you'll you'll know the difference. You really do. And it's just if you've triggered. If you haven't been triggered, then it's your intuition. Yeah, and you have to know what your personality is as well because sometimes, and I think, uh, again, to your point, you would hope that you know yourself enough to know when you are, you know, acting out of character, when I'm struggling, my, it's out of character for me to be indecisive. If you're responding in a way that you normally wouldn't respond after something that may have triggered you, then then you know then then it's 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 more likely a trauma response. Exactly. And I think just to wrap up this question, it's really like you said, it's just knowing yourself. Hey, I don't typically act this way. I mean, no one's 100% triggered all the time. And if anybody that says that, it just means that they're not connected with themselves because no one is 100% triggered all the time. There is consistency within our behaviors and how we do things. And really knowing yourself and how you respond to certain situations is going to be key. So that's where you can start. All right. So let's move on to uh, the next question. How do you believe you're worthy of healing when you hate yourself? Okay. How can you hate yourself? What have you pro- like possibly could have done to yourself to hate yourself? Self-worth is something that is tricky and something that I really struggled with, especially with like my abandonment and everything that was going on in my life. Self-compassion is where you start, okay? If you're struggling with worth, start with compassion for yourself. And that means that you're going to be kind to yourself. You're not going to beat yourself up. You've been beaten up your whole life. It does not make sense to continuously beat yourself up. Okay, it's wasted energy. It's time to lift yourself up. Understand, you know, that interconnectedness that you're not any different from anybody else. And that human, the human race and suffering is all one big thing that we all share. And then the last part is, is just understanding and being mindful that you're feeling a certain way. Once you start there and you stop beating yourself up, that is key because self-worth slowly starts building from that. And that's what's the most important. You can't start at, like you said, you know, you riding a bike. You can't start with like, yeah, I'm great. It doesn't work like that when you don't have self-worth. The first thing that you have to start to end up getting on your path there is being kind to yourself. When you're kind to someone, it's because you believe they have worth. When you're mean to someone, it's because you don't think they're worth anything, right? So when you apply those same principles to how you view yourself, it's going to be huge. Like, I'm just going to be kind to myself. I'm a human being. I, you know, I'm I'm deserving to be here like anybody else. I'm just going to be kind to myself. And it starts with these small little micro ways of paradigm shifts on how we think. That's where you start. And I'm speaking from experience here. No, that's absolutely right. Because you can't start to heal you know, if you are still self-loathing. Exactly. You know, healing is painful. Healing is messy. In my opinion, healing hurts more than all the traumas that I've been through because you're dealing with an influx of all these emotions all at one time. You are going to need to learn to be kind to yourself on the days that your body does not agree with having to do the things it's supposed to, on the days that your mind is tired 
and spent and that you have zero energy, that even taking a shower is like, oh my God, you need to be kind to yourself. Your brain, this psychogenic, you know, amnesia that we go through where we don't remember all of our traumas till we start to heal is a way to protect us. It's our time to give back to our brains, thanking ourselves. Thank you for keeping me safe all those years. I know I have to go through what I have to go through right now. I have to grow through it. You got to start there. There's no other way. And hating yourself. I want you guys to know this. When we hate ourselves, all we are doing is taking on the projected emotions of the ones who hurt us. So when we have shame and we have guilt and embarrassment, for things that we did not do to ourselves, but we feel shameful for those acts, understand that you are just projecting the emotions of the people that hurt you. And when you can look at it like that, you can free yourself. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's move on to the next question. Oh, this one looks like it pertains a lot more to me. My mom is a narcissist and I recently yep. cut her out of my life. Why do I feel so guilty? Okay. So yes, I think you can better answer this than anybody. Where I can come in is that we feel guilty. And again, listen to the People Are People podcast that we did. It's awesome and it talks about this at length. But just to recap is that it's because you're looking at her through glasses of she is my mother. So you have this sense of loyalty to her for the role that she plays in your life, right? And so you feel guilty that you've cut out my mother, the one that's given me birth, the one that's done this, the one that's the reason why I'm here. Those were decisions she made to bring you into this world. And you're basing all of your decisions based upon a role versus how she actually was a mother to you in your life. Now, I think this is where you can come in a little bit and actually speak on what it feels like to cut your mother out because of this stuff. Well, yeah, I, like you said, right, I would have to. It's a whole podcast that we already done with the people or people podcast. So I would definitely recommend anyone that has a that question or a similar question to really listen to that podcast. We go into depth answering that this particular question, right? In terms of feeling guilt, um, you're going to feel some guilt. That's the, that's the reality. We're it's a, it's a human response to feel guilty about it. It is our our parent or, you know, and this could apply to a mother, a father, or any relative, you know, you're going to have some guilt that you have to go through, but at the end of the day, it has to be more about your self-healing. It it has to be you have to be you have to be a little selfish in this in this regard because again, if you set these boundaries like, like we talked about in the first question, and they're abiding by the boundaries, then you can reestablish a relationship. But if they're not abiding by those boundaries, in especially in a case of a, like a narcissistic parent, then uh, the, then you have to do what's best for yourself. There is some guilt associated with that, but again, you have to have enough self worth. And want enough for yourself that you understand that you you overcome those feelings of guilt and those feelings of guilt get supplanted by the feelings of your own growth and your own self-worth growing. Absolutely. I think you answered that quite well. So what's next? Do I have to tell someone that I forgive them or do I need to tell myself this? Okay. Oh, oh sorry. Do I just need to tell myself this? Okay. You don't need to tell anybody that you forgive them because forgiveness isn't for them. Forgiveness is for you. Okay. So 
Forgiveness does not mean, and we talked about this in the other podcast, and the people are people. Forgiveness does not mean that you absolve them of the things that they did. So it's like, I forgive you. You can go back to doing whatever it is you were doing. No, forgiveness just means, look, I forgive the situation. I forgive what happened to me. And I forgive them for being human and not recognizing my own worth. And that's for me so that I'm not a prisoner of my own mind and I'm not holding on and harboring all these feelings that are only going to hurt me in them. So no, you don't have to tell someone that you forgive them at all. You don't. And even if you did tell someone, hey, I forgive you for that, forgiveness does not equate to like, let's be best friends again or you're still my favorite aunt and uncle and all this bull crap. Forgiveness just means that you are no longer controlled by the situation and the emotions that hurt you. So no, you don't have to tell anybody that you forgive them. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, because like you said, right, forgiveness is for you, is for your own, for you to be able to move on from the situation. Exactly. And what's for the other person is to tell them what they did wrong. Now, here's 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 where it's it's, you know, it gets dicey. If someone does something by you that is not right, don't let them get away with it. Yeah. Accountability is your responsibility is to not tell them that you forgive them. Your responsibility is to say, this is what you did. And this is what I do not appreciate. So I don't accept that. That's a boundary that holds them accountable. And it also opens up their eyes to maybe potentially being a better person one day. Exactly. Because some people, um, and, and again, this depends on the on what they did, of course, you know, but some people may not be aware that they're doing something wrong. Exactly. So it is important, like you said, is to bring that up to the person, make them aware of what they did or how they hurt you. And, you know, give them the opportunity to be better. Um, but like you said, there is no there's no need for you to forgive that person, you know, verbally, verbally. Exactly. Because, yeah. you you know, you want to forgive them for yourself so you can move on. But there's no real need for you to 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 give that forgiveness unless they ask for it. Like if they're genuinely, yeah, yeah, true. you like, know, I'm recognize sorry. exactly because there's been that's the, the situation where they said, oh, my God, you know. I didn't realize that I yeah. did that or I didn't realize that that caused you any pain. Thank you for pointing that out. Exactly. Please forgive me. My exactly. Then at that point, absolutely. All right, let's move on here. How do I let go of the pain that was caused by someone else? Okay. That can actually coincide with the question above and that just comes with forgiveness. Pain that you feel is not a bad thing. Pain is what helps us grow. Pain is a reminder and a gift of the things that we need to work on. It's also an indicator that you are empathetic and that you feel things. So pain isn't always bad. If you're holding on to pain, it's because you haven't forgiven the situation. You haven't processed what happened to you. You hadn't hold that other person accountable for what they did. If you're holding on to pain and you still feel pain, it's because it's unresolved. Now, it does not mean that, okay, once I tell this person, hey, you know, I forgive you, but I don't want you in my life, and I've talked about this and stuff, and it still bothers me, then then what's the situation? It still means the same thing. It means that you're not letting it go. It means that you are choosing to, each and every time that painful thought pops into your head, you have two options. We cannot control, and this is what CBT therapy teaches you, or cognitive behavioral therapy. You cannot control the pain that you feel the thoughts that come into your head, but you have control over whether you're going to think further into it. So, oh, I'm going to lament into this more. I'm going to think about this more. And then I'm going to think of this and I'm going to think of that. That's you allowing it to happen. When that comes into your head, you've processed it. You've forgiven them. It's still challenging. You say, look, and you say it out loud. I have forgiven this situation. 
that's neither here nor there. This is in the past. And you move on and go do something else. The more that you do that, the more you're telling your brain, this memory is processed and gone. See you later. Forgiveness and letting go takes us just as much work because it's healing. Yeah, it's all part of the process, right? It's the the recognition. These are all steps. And, you know, pain is one of those situations, especially for when it comes from trauma, that is it takes some time to work through. And you have to allow yourself the time to work through them, but also you have to be able to let go. And that's a, a lot of the times that that's what happens, right? We get stuck in the, you know what I'm saying, the emotion of it, and then we don't process it properly to allow that, to let it go. So, and it all depends on, we're making generalizations on a lot of these things uh, because we don't know specifically what the questioner had or what type of pain because the pain of you know the loss of a loved one is pain the you know the traumatic experience that you may have had as a child is pain uh, abandonment issues those are all pains that some of them are much easier to get past and some of them just linger on and some so, of them you have to grow through it's just going to take time exactly so it, understanding the the level of pain that you're going through and and then seek seeking the appropriate support for you know that particular you know situation is important and again just back just to kind of go back to what you were saying if you find yourself you know it, it's easier for us to say okay just you know process it and move on it, it's not that simple a no. lot of the times so understand if you're doing if you've feel like you've forgiven the person or you feel like you've forgiven the situation, but you're still having trouble moving forward. That's when a, a good therapist or a good coach, coach yep. can can help I was you just through that, those those moments. I was just thinking in my head that would be a really good coaching goal. Like, you know, and, and for someone we talked about coaching, right? They need to be able to say, This is what happened, yada, 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 this is where I want to go. So that would be perfect. This is what happened to me. I have forgiven this person. I've done X, Y, and Z, and I'm really stuck here. And this is where coaching or, you know, therapy could really help you kind of make the connection. Because when you're stuck, it's because it's usually connected to something in the past. And when you can work through that, you can let go of why well, you're Well, even when on. you see those connections, a lot of the times, that's that's where those aha moments happen, right? Mm -hmm. When you see that connection and you go, oh my, that's why I do that. Or that's why I feel this way. And sometimes it's not even the initial, you know, what we think might have caused the pain isn't the initial, it isn't, you know, isn't what it, exactly it is, right? Yeah. So, like, if you, you know, you just broke up with your boyfriend and, you know, you, you're, you're heartbroken over it, but it's the abandonment issues from, like, your, your father. father or something else, mm -hmm. that's why it's so much more triggering for you. So it's understanding those things and making those connections that truly get you to the point where you can heal and move away from those pains and, you know, not that they're not always going to be there, but that you're going to get better at handling and managing yeah. them. And I think people have this misperception about what healing looks like. Like, up, oh, I'm healed, I'm balanced, going to go live my life. No. Healing just means you're not controlled by the pains of the past. Healing does not mean that those things go away, you know. And I think the more realistic we can be at healing, the better off we're going to be in the future because we're not going to have unreasonably high expectations for healing. They're going to be realistic. And then we can actually focus on progress. And you, you learn the, you know, you learn how to cope, you know, and that's the biggest thing because you're going to healthy, have healthy exactly yeah. healthy coping skills because you're going to have these pains or these triggers throughout your life. They, like you said, they don't go away. It's us understanding how to cope with them, how to cope with them health, you know, in a healthy way 
and you know having those supports in place to help us through those those times. Absolutely. All right. So next question is, I am nervous that I'm going to turn out the same way my dad did. How can I prevent myself from being just like him as a parent? Well, first and foremost, you are aware that you don't want to be that way. You know, you're, you're not like looking at your father from rose colored glasses and, you know, just repeating his parenting or repeating his mistakes in, in adulthood. You're already on your way to not becoming your father. So now the next step is just really paying attention to the things that you don't want to manifest and start working. So let's hypothetically say you don't want to turn out like your father because he yelled all the time. He constantly screamed and you found yourself, you know, yelling from time to time here and there. Then you just work on that one thing. Okay, you know what? Before I go to scream, before I go to raise my voice, I'm going to count to five. I'm going to turn away. I'm, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk away. Or I'm going to start looking at when do I usually yell? What are the things that usually make me really upset? What protective factors can I put in place? How can I start recognizing that I'm getting angry before I get angry? That's all that it is. It's really taking one issue, one problem at a time, breaking it down and putting protective factors and measures in place to help you guide yourself so that you don't, like you said, become your father. Yeah, you've already taken the first step, and the first step is realizing right. what you don't want to be. That's the very that's the biggest step that you can take, right? Is realizing, and we can turn that even back to the same people or people podcast, right? Listen to that podcast because that's a good place to start, right? Once you see your father is just a person and with flaws, then you can, you know, you can see yourself because a lot of the times we see ourselves in our parents. You know, so you, the personalities, the emo, you know, a lot of the a, a lot of the the same makeup there, right? So it's important to to first start to see him as a, as just another human being, as a person with flaws. So you can start to, you know, all right. So these are the things that he was. So these are the things that I need to work on, right? And but it's also important not to overcompensate for you know the things that. You, you saw and a good you trauma know, parenting exactly trauma parenting because you can go back and listen to our podcast on that right because that that's important right because a lot of the times that's what will happen right we start to overcompensate if you had a father that was never in your life yeah you're overcompensating everything like we're going to do this we're going to do this we're going to go here we're going to do that and then you become like a helicopter parent or something right. like that that's and another kids are like dad exactly so understand yeah, number one, understand that your father was, you know, and this goes for mothers as well, right? That you want to recognize that, understand that your father or your parent was a person that had these flaws and then see yourself in the same light. See yourself as a person with flaws that needs to work on. But, you know, try to fig find that level ground where you're not, again, you know, you don't want to be your parent, but you don't want to you don't want to try to overcompensate because, again, you're creating another level of trauma potentially for your children. So it's important not to trauma parent. And it really does start there, right? Just seeing the parent for who they are for a person and then being able to pick out, you know, these are the, the things that that person could have worked on um, to be better. And let me do those things to make sure that I'm you know, a whole person and I'm raising another whole person. And a point that I want to make is that you can take the good, you know, if there, if there was good, you can take that too. 
There's nothing wrong with that. So I think we answered that, you know, great. And I'm, I really liked your perspective on that. So I think, are, are we at our last question? Yeah, I think um, we're, well, we're on our last question because we're kind of running out of time here. So we'll end it with this one. Uh, every time I bring up the abuse to my parents, they minimize it. This really upsets me. How can I deal with this? Well, I think... You go. People are people podcast, I think, is really going to help you out with this because you can actually start viewing your parents as people. Right. If they're minimizing it, it's for a couple of reasons. They're probably minimizing it because maybe they don't want to believe that they were that awful to you. Maybe they don't believe what they did to you was so bad because guess what? It happened to them and they trauma parented and they're fine. And look at them. And you turned out to be OK. So they justify their behavior. You know, it could be anything. But let's bring it back to the fact that it hurts you. It's hurting you that they're minimizing what they did to you. So this is where a boundary comes in place. This is where you say, you guys did this to me. This is how it made me feel. And it feels worse that you can't even accept responsibility. So until you guys are willing to have a conversation about what you did to me, this is now my boundary. And you get to fill that in. Yeah, and that's kind of a slippery slope because it, 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 there is there's so many different responses exactly. that a parent can have. And what you view as minimization sometimes could be, you know, they're so um, ashamed of what they did that they want to kind of brush it under the the rug. This goes generationally, I think, you know what I'm saying? And and this goes like my parent, you know, my, this goes to my parents, how they were brought up. You, you brought up to sweep everything under the carpet, right? You don't address anything. You don't. So there's a way that you can address certain situations. Again, if you don't have a narcissistic parent, you know, because uh, narcissism, that's a whole other monster to deal with, right? Right. They don't want to take responsibility for anything. Uh, but My dad could be a good example. Yeah, that's she's a perfect example because you brought a lot of these things up. And he, he now that he realizes these things, yeah. you know, he takes full ownership of them right so it's it's important not to be accusatory you know understand you know the 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 relationship understand again this goes back to what courtney was saying about forgiving your forgiving the person right for yourself because if you are able to see that parent for the person that you know for just a person and you allow yourself to forgive them for the their misgivings Right. You can approach the relationship from a different standpoint. You know, now you're not this little kid looking up to your parents, hoping that they re they recognize. But then you can approach it to a level of, OK, I'm just a person just like this is a person and I can talk to them and I can understand, you know, you know, are they minimizing it because of their shame? Are they minimizing it because maybe they they they, they don't care that they did that to you? Right. So you make these adjustments to how you treat the person depending on what you see might be happening. And that's, that's important. Absolutely. I think you answered that so well. So I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed this Q and a. Yeah. I, th I definitely think we should do more of these. Yeah. Maybe once a month or something like that. I, I really enjoyed this. All right. So we'll have our viewers Keep sending us yeah, questions. Yeah, keep sending and we'll... us questions because I think that this was awesome. And I, I felt like we could give them a little bit more personalization. Yeah. And if you guys like this format, let us know because we'll do more of these. Yeah. Because if you guys say, yeah, you know what? I'd prefer this because I'm getting like so many different questions answered. Then, yeah, I think we could absolutely do that. So make sure that you reach out to us. And 
I actually, you know, if you're not following me on TikTok, most people are, but if you're not, it's ask.courtney. And there is a link in my bio so you can reach me there and we can kind of start talking about if you have podcast ideas or whatever. There's also a link in there for my coaching if that's something that you're interested in. Also, I'm on Instagram. So you can find me at askcourtney underscore. And I got a YouTube channel, Ask Courtney, where I'm trying to just, I'm really trying to reach everybody on different platforms and giving different aspects of myself. And so YouTube is really just going to be recaps of what's going on to help people. And we'll see where it goes from there. All right, guys. Well, as always, we're all in this together. So stay safe. And don't forget that it's okay to ask for help. Till next time.